Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. is always an exciting Sunday, mostly because it signals that transition from the more solemn introspection of Lent into the joy of Easter. And who doesn't love waving around palm branches? As we do this in the church and we enjoy this childlike sense of awe and wonder and enjoyment, it's most appropriate for us to bask in the glory of this day that this is a high moment for the followers of Jesus Christ. These disciples that he had called from various forms and ways of life had been following him for three long years. Three years where he was persecuted and shunned, attacked, run out of town. Times where even after he had an incredible, miraculous show of his power and his might, people still would not believe And so after all of this time, the disciples had been yearning and waiting for the others to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. And as they draw close to the city, they have that moment where you think, this is it. They're going to get it. The people are going to understand, and it's all going to work out happily ever after. Only this isn't a Disney film. This is the gospel come to life. And Jesus was trying to tell these same disciples for these very same three years, that this is not going to go as you think it is. That instead there is a difficult work ahead of me. Things that I must do that you don't want to acknowledge. Things that I must do for you. Because I love you that deeply. And I love all of God's people. And so my gifts will be for all. And as they draw close and Jesus once more tells them to do something and says, go on ahead and you'll find this. And they show up and sure enough, there it is. And there's the donkey, and there's the colt, and they untie them, and they bring him. And he will ride into Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God, on a donkey. I thought conquerors came in on white stallions. Surely he would come in on something more glorious, something more comfortable, instead of a Honda Fit. Isn't Jesus worthy of a Mercedes? No. No, he comes in on this humble creature. He comes in this way to show them that he came to serve. And as they enter into the city, the apostles are taken, so taken, they record it with the crowds. And half the city is confused. What is going on here? And the other half of the city says, this is the prophet Jesus. And it's like, no, he's not the prophet. He's the Messiah. He is our Savior. We're getting there. We're just not there yet. We're moving toward. We're going on to perfection. Unfortunately, the apostles don't yet realize they only have a few days. If you are looking for reading to do this week and you open up to your gospel accounts, especially Matthew, and you start looking at all the things that have to happen before Thursday, You'll be amazed at all the things Jesus can get done in four days. You'll be amazed at the things that he can say and the number of people you can make really angry in four days. 
four days. He comes in and the whole place erupts into this celebration. You would think that the Lakers just won. And then all of a sudden, they go from Hosanna to crucify him. Can our hearts turn that quickly? Are we willing to forsake a relationship with such expediency? And the truth is yes. That they were as mortal and human as we are. And even those who had seen Jesus at his most miraculous moments would be fleeing by Friday. Because the truth is that none of us really have the heart to go where Jesus had to go. None of us are really willing to stand there next to the cross and see the complete ugliness that humankind can bring forth. It's so much better on Easter morning. We kind of just want to skip over that Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. But instead, there is merit to recognizing that the joy of today will be fulfilled on Easter only if we go through the cross. In order for Easter to be big and beautiful and bold and celebratory, we have to have something to celebrate. And we celebrate the fact that the ugliness of Friday did not have the final word. That our Lord and Savior who gave himself for us could not be kept down, could not be sealed away in the tomb, could not be silenced. That instead, he rose again. And not only will we be celebrating with triumph next Sunday, but we will be recognizing that his resurrection is the foreshadowing of our own. What he accomplished will be a sign to us that this is for us too. As we look at ourselves throughout Lent, we recognize that we have made strides in certain areas. But then we also have to recognize that as Christians, we have failed to be fully obedient. We have not done God's will consistently throughout the year. And so we recognize that and we mourn it and we ask for forgiveness and we seek to grow. But today is a day of celebration. It truly is. And despite the knowledge and the concept of Thursday and Friday, in the empty morning of Saturday, we can stand triumphant and joyous in this moment. There are so many times in our lives where we really just need to bask in the moment. Amen? There are some times where you just really need to go, there's a lot of bad going on, but this moment is amazing. And sometimes I have to remind myself to do that too. Sometimes I have to remind myself that my to-do list, which is getting longer than my cardigan and is higher now than my shoes, sometimes God just really wants you to be still and know that I am God and you are mine and there are things with which we celebrate. More and more, I've been looking for those moments because our world is inundating us right now with tragedy. Our world is inundating us with messages of hatred and despair. And sometimes you just have to recognize that even in the midst of all of that, God is giving us goodness. And we have to cling to it in those moments.
yesterday in this same space, we held a memorial service for an incredible man. And as almost 300 people gathered here to honor Junior Kent, there were moments in the midst of that where you could feel Jesus Christ in our presence. And you could think to yourself, despite the sorrow and the loss that we who were gathered and many who mourned all over the world were feeling, that God had been so good to us that you just had to say thank you. That God's presence in Junior Kent had been such an incredible blessing that I couldn't fully be sad because I had been blessed. And this morning, as I'm hanging countless Care Bears up on the windows in the fellowship hall, I'm looking at them, and some of them are profound. I'm telling you, some of our kids are working on a level that I'm 36 and I still am not working on. And you're looking at this, and you're looking at the intentionality how specific they were about color choice and coloring and just how important that moment was to them where they got to tell the world what their special gift is that God has given them and who they are. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, incredible thing. And every one I put up made me smile. I mean, it helps that I know those kids, but it's also a beautiful thing when you just realize that children have things to say too. And they have God's glory to proclaim. And so in the church, we have to learn more and more to celebrate the moments. Because we are Peter in the church. Peter, the cornerstone next to the cornerstone, right? The foundation upon which Jesus would build the church. Peter is a hot mess. Peter will have moments of, you are the Messiah, And then, no, Jesus, you can't die. What do you think the Messiah does, Peter? Peter has those moments of, oh, and then those moments of, oh. And we are Peter. We are a church that has high moments. High moments. But we also have lows. We also have times where you're like, we are not getting this right, and we need to figure it out. But we had a really good Christmas There are times for us to stop and look for the good. Because in a world that wants to fill the news with horror, somebody's got to start speaking the good news. Somebody's got to start proclaiming. You know, that word Hosanna that we've been saying and singing and praying all morning, that word means joy and excitement, right? And if you think about it as an adult, how do I express that kind of joy and excitement? Because it's not really appropriate for us to like jump around and like scream. However, if you were to tell a child that they were going to Disneyland, or guess what? Today we're going to Bush Gardens. You'll see Hosanna. You will see some Hosanna, right? They get very excited. And so that is what we are called to do today. Hosanna to the highest heaven, the highest heaven where God reigns on high and the angels do God's will and kneel in constant adoration. That is what we are called to exemplify today. Do you feel like you have Hosanna to the highest heaven yet? There is a time and a place for us to put aside all of the pressures of decorum and solemnity. And there is a time to just say, hallelujah, Jesus. There is a time for us to celebrate. And today is the day when we remember and we celebrate.
And no matter where your life is today, no matter all the things that are going on, no matter the, the level of balance in your bank account or the debt ratio you have or what you need to do later on for your jobs and your schooling, no matter what your day is, today is a day when we ought to find at least one thing, one thing that we can say, Hosanna, I am excited about this, Lord. I am excited about what you are doing in me and for me. I am excited about the things that are going on through your body of Christ. And I see you in this. If we as the church are not willing to have our Hosanna moments, how are we ever going to convince the world that there is something better than the struggle and the grind and the repetitive life of earn and spend and earn and spend? If we aren't willing to celebrate and say, there is a time to come and be joyful and exuberant, and yes, you can be excited, then the world will continue its gears and its cogs, and they will turn and they will turn and they will crush hope. They will take away the joy that we encounter in children, and they will make yet another generation of adults who are bogged down and need to be liberated. Jesus did not come and suffer and die for us to be a depressed people. Jesus came so that we would encounter joy and liberty and have it abundantly. So today we rejoice in that. I rejoice when I see our youth choir excited about what they're doing. I rejoice when those kids nailed the bells, when they were like, yes, got my piece. We rejoice in that. We find the reasons and we cling to them because those lights will burn in the darkness and those lights will guide our path, a path to joy. You know what the church teaches you more than anything else? To be happy for other people. I have never learned to be more happy for other people than when I became a pastor. The more that I am around God's people and the more that I see your joy, it is mine. It becomes my joy. We are being formed into a family here that creates the ability for me to be a better person. And I believe that God is calling all of us into that kind of relationship to be better people for other people. And so, yeah. Even though my kid isn't up here, might as well be. I'm just as proud of them. I'm just as proud of those kids who learn that song and practice with handbells, and I don't have that kind of coordination. I am proud of them, and I am thrilled. And I love it when they come up here at children's time and the children say to me, oh my gosh, I know what's going on. Let's talk about this. Those are those moments these are not my kids. They are not, but they are God's. And God has said to all of us, take care of my children. We have become the blessed babysitters of the next church. And I hope that today will continue to be one of Hosanna for you. That you will find those moments and you will realize that just as you start to be invested and love and have excitement for other people, 
that the miracle of the Holy Spirit is that other people start to have that for you. That there are those who want to be invested in you, who want to celebrate your joys, who want to be with you in the lows, who want to walk with you through the wilderness and the valley of the shadow of death. That there are people who want to be with you, not because of what you can give them, but what they can give you. The church is about turning all of the world's standards on its head and loving people because we were first loved. May we do that, and may this week be one of powerful encounter, that even as we journey toward the cross, we of the church know that there will be an Easter. And no matter where you are in your life today, if it feels like it is Saturday Easter vigil and everything is hopeless, then I hope you realize that Easter is for you. Easter is the promise that God, who is just and merciful and mighty and gracious and loving and kind, will make it right. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. The Lord gives us good things. And if we are willing, the Lord will take away our burdens and our pain and our suffering and replace them with hosannas. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.